this week on the Off the Crossbar podcast. For the first time since 2002, the NLL will play a regular season game in the province of Quebec. We talked with Adam Levy about the New York Riptide and the Philadelphia Wings. Cool Bets got another round of box bets, and you know we gotta keep things positive. All that and more on OTCB. I am an My name is Teddy Jenner, and boy, have we got an absolute beauty for you tonight. Cook, Dixon, airmails it wide. Loose ball to King, lost there by Charbonneau, 19 on 19. King spins off his man, short side. Scores, he's got four. Tough defense leads to offense, and I know it's Ryan Tarafenko who tickles twine here, Pete. But how about this? Loose ball picked up by Terrafanko. Luke Magnin's looking at the bench. He has nothing to do with the offense. Just wants to set that hard pick. Frees up just enough space for Terrafanko to get that shot off. Mark Matthews to church wide open in the slot. Scores! And it's in the kids to bed. Robert Church wins it. It all! a pass. Crowley scores! With one second on the clock, it's assist number three for Austin Stotts, and they're spreading the love. Dave, you talk about swinging the ball side to side. This is picture perfect. A laser pass directly through the middle of the defense. And Jeff T catches and shoots all in one motion. You see it go from one side to the other. Now, Digby's right through the middle of the defense. Lee swings over, Williams in tight, McLaughlin denied by Vince. What a stop, and what a game from the legend, Matt Vince. The Bandits break the spell. Revenge over Colorado. Redemption in Buffalo. And the Bandits are 2023 NLL champions. What is good, everybody? Welcome to the Off the Crossbar podcast. He's Pat Gregoire. I am Teddy Jenner. And yes, the flair for the French language will be prominent in the National Cross League in 23-24 as the league announced Thursday that with the unboxed program, the Unbox Series, the NLL will be going to La Place Laval for Riptide and Rock. It's been a busy week. We'll get into all the stories and more. We'll talk to Adam Levy on this week's show as he's been gallivanting around the East Coast, catching up with some of the teams as they get ready for the start of the season. Find Patty at P. Greggy. I am at Teddy Jenner, the show at OTCB underscore podcast. Or find us on the Instas at OTTV Podcast. Uh, what is up, my mo bro? How are you doing? Doing magnifique, to be quite honest. Like, I am absolutely fired up for this game coming, uh, you know, in February. I'm like, I'm just upset. It's, you know, we're, we're a few months away from it. Um, it, it, it is exciting. It is going to be the first regular season game in the province of Quebec since 2002. Um, you know, getting that, that, uh, press release, or I guess it would have been the heads up that there was going to be a conference, um, and that the, 
Montreal Canadiens were going to be involved, which made it even more interesting. Um, You know, I was on, on the call, I had the opportunity to ask, you know, you know, how much of this is a litmus test for potential expansion or relocation. And um, to be quite honest, it was shot down pretty quickly from the (laughs) Montreal Canadiens side saying that, you know, it was more about, showcasing the game and celebrating the game and and getting eyeballs and all that. But at the same time, it was kind of, you know, tongue in cheek saying like, yes, you are right. We also are looking to see uh, testing out the water. So how could it not be? Exactly. Exactly. You're right. So uh, exciting stuff for the league, exciting stuff for the NLL um, lacrosse itself. And of course the Montreal area. And it's going to be on TSN and RDS, so we could get a um, dual language broadcast. Uh, be interesting to see how that plays. I can't wait to hear the NLL in French. How yes. is your French, Patty? Not all. Not not good enough. To, not good not enough. Ball. No, 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 no. That won't be happening. Um, that will be good though. That'll be awesome. When I saw that RDS was going to be hand, uh, you know, on it, that means there will be a broadcast. I imagine. Um, they'll probably just take our, our feed, but have, um, you know, two other broadcasters, um, in the booth up near us. And, and I think that's, that's so important. Um, we know that there's going to be a lot of people in the building, uh, maybe for the folks that decided not to go, uh, they'll still have the opportunity to see it. Um, and let's be honest, Quebec is a huge province, um, Maybe people that couldn't come down for the drive from from northern Quebec or wherever it may be. So or other French speaking people across Canada will also have an opportunity to watch the broadcast. Um, Have you been to La Place Laval? Have you seen that arena? I've heard great things about it. I have not seen it. Um, I've watched full disclosure, uh, watched a all-star skills competition for the AHL because our good friend John Abbott was calling it. So Mm. I decided to tune in and watch the all-star game and the skills comp. And he said the building, and this was well before when we were talking about any of this happening. Right. He said, this is a perfect NLL building. The fans are rabid. It's not too big, but it's a great, beautiful barn. Um, sight lines are great. Like he said, it, it just fits the the mold for an NL arena. And sure enough, you know, a few months later, we're talking about now having a game there and having the opportunity to call a game there. So um, pretty exciting stuff to say the least. Yeah, and there's a good lacrosse following in the province of Quebec. Obviously, there's some good senior B organizations that are out there that have been prominent there's you know obviously the ottawa region is kind of out that way so there there is a ton of good lacrosse in that region um and as we've discussed on this show many times before when um oliver marty and russ shepherd and his group or their group were trying to figure what they were going to do with the black wolves laval the province of Quebec was on their market, whether it was Laval or Montreal or wherever they were going to go. That's one of the two places they wanted to. But due to the pandemic and, and not being able to cross the border and all those things, they weren't able to get up there. So they ended up in Albany. So I, I do believe that this might be a bit of a litmus test, whether it's for the Canadians, whether it's for other possible ownership groups. Uh, I, I can't wait for this. Um, I think I have that weekend off. Definitely going to be checking into flights 
to see what it's all about because that is definitely something uh, I would love to check out and see just you know seeing what's out there and seeing what's possible um so that was uh, a fantastic announcement on Thursday uh, bring back the Montreal Express one of the greatest logos our league has ever seen uh a purple color scheme <laughs> that's not something we haven't seen in the National <laughs> League um but a great news day for the National Lacrosse League um and and things that are what's to come and it just stems off of the unboxed program that Kurt Hunsinger and his crew and Brian Lemon and everybody have been rolling out and doing such an incredible job with. And, and you kind of joked um, about it being globally and Kurt saying that this is something they want to do globally. Um, Bermuda, Czech Republic, somewhere in Asia, um, many, many possibilities with this. Uh, and something that the National Cross League is definitely looking into doing and expanding globally, not just in North America. I was pretty surprised when I heard the word and the term globally, but again, um, immediately right after he, you know, Kurt mentioned that, you know, this, this sport is going to be in the Olympics. There's yeah. going to be the world's eyes on it. And, you know, obviously he's not talking about, you know, yeah, next year we're going to be in, in Tokyo or in, you know, in, in two years we're, we're, we're going to be in, um, you know, England, whatever it may be. Yeah. Like, yeah obviously that's not going to happen. He's just talking about, this is a long-term plan. We're already talking to different uh, cities and different groups to bringing a game next year. Uh, and this is something that they plan. It's not just a one-year thing and, and we're done. It's a series, and I thought that was exciting. And to kind of go back on what you're talking about with Quebec lacrosse, um, this is a burgeoning lacrosse mm-hmm. hotbed. It's 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 got history, though, um, but it did take a little bit of a lull, but now it's back on the upswing. Um, the Riv, Riv Nord Kodiaks won the Junior C, won the Junior C Meredith Cup. Um, you know, their minor program is really starting to flourish. We're seeing a lot of NCAA division one, division two, division three athletes, uh, start to pop up at programs. Um, the Toronto beaches last year, I believe, or not even last year, even two years ago when they were in the Minto cup. Um, first time we've seen multiple Minto cup, uh, competitors come from Quebec. Uh, they had three or four in their lineup. So uh, it kind of works out well. And already talking to people in, in that, that area, the one thing that kind of works out well is a couple of the minor organizations, their registration starts in late February. So that's going to go. What are you doing? Some construction? You've got some construction going down <laughs> downstairs. So um, adding another room to Shea Gregoire? <laughs> no, no. Um, a little uh just a little home renovations going on clearly i'm not doing them so um uh but yeah so no no definitely not um yeah so the it, quebec is a is is up and coming it has history it kind of seems like it's it's the perfect spot for the first tester and and clearly the montreal canadians um and the molson group have you know the admirations to at least test this out yeah um, of course, Montreal Express played in the mid-2000s, only lasted uh, a year or two before moving on, but uh, everyone will always remember the Express for that absolute beating they put on Calgary in their very first game, scoring the most goals in a game. I think they they put up 32, or there was a total of 32. Like, it was something ridiculous in that game. Poor Matt King felt the brunt of it in his first 
ever National Cross League start. So a lot of history in Montreal and just unbelievable. The National Cross League is going back there um, as part of the Unboxed series. And we'll have to wait and see uh, where and what is next for that program. Um, we had our broadcasters call uh, this week, getting set for the National Lacrosse League season. Um, and there's been rumblings of some rule changes that the National Lacrosse League is going to implement for this year. I uh, just want to go through a few of them. Uh, a lot of it is just language changing in some of the rules to make them a little clearer. But there are some very important ones. Um, we'll just go through a few of them. Um, no overtime timeouts, which is awesome. Uh, just let, let's get that five minutes or 10 minutes or whatever it is done. We often see in the past, a team will go to that overtime faceoff, win the draw and immediately call timeout. That's no more. Um, we're just playing it out. Do what you got to do. May the best team win in overtime. Uh, coincidental minors. This is something that I've been pining about. Uh, for the last few years, wishing the National Lacrosse League would do. So it is can be a little confusing, but if the floor balance is even, whether it be five on five or four on four, or whether if it's five on five, the floor balance is even, and two coincidental minors happen, then we'll play four on four lacrosse. But if penalties happen while time is being served on the clock, the floor balance will stay the same. So if it's five on four, two guys against coincidental minors, it will stay five on four. But if it is five on five and there's coincidentals, we'll go down to four on four. That opens up the floor. That gives some of our stars more space, will lead to more goals, more exciting action. So I love this change by the National Lacrosse League. All majors will now be reviewed by the officials. They're hoping that this won't be a long extended period like some of our goal reviews have been. But once the initial call is made, the officials will get together. They'll talk about it. If they have to go to a video review, they will. But they will be able to either keep it, rescind it, or just completely wipe it off the board. So they will be able to review the five-minute majors. You can't go up the ladder, as Brian Lemon said. You can only go down the ladder. Uh, intent to blow the whistle. This came up in that Halifax-Philadelphia game last year. If you guys will remember, a play behind the net. Uh, penalty was being called. It came off. Jake Witherstick ended up Clark Peterson. It ended up in the back of the net. But a penalty was coming to Halifax. The whistle wasn't blown in time. The goal happened. There was an extended, extended, extended review of the play. We all realized that the referee was wanting to blow the whistle to stop the play before the goal happened, but because that verbiage wasn't in the rule book, the goal stood, the penalty happened, but now if the official was intending to blow the whistle to stop the play, that will be taken into advisement when dealing with some of these situations. So that should hopefully clear a lot of things up. Uh, no referee challenges under uh, with under two minutes to play in the fourth quarter if there is a five or more goal lead. Obviously, sometimes we've seen empty netters when games are blowouts or something happens, and we all know that it's not even close, but they had to review it because it was in the final two minutes. So if it is a five goal or more, more lead under two minutes to go and a goal is scored by the leading team, uh, the referees won't be reviewing it. Uh, timeouts increased to 45 seconds. Halftime's now 15 minutes. 
Um, and then this one is something that doesn't really apply to a lot of people, but fans may be interested to know. The Gate D and the Gate D2 stickheads shall be considered illegal. Uh, if anyone ever watched uh, Graham Hossick play, uh, he used that gate head. It's got sort of two big um, little almost like hooks on the outside edge of the head that defenders have been using, uh, and those will be considered illegal in the National Lacrosse League. So those are just sort of the major ones. Again, some of the other ones just are, are verbiage in the rule book to clear things up. Um, but for the most part, again, the National Lacrosse League just trying to speed the game up, uh, keep the game competitive, uh, and just making sure they get the calls right. So good on Brian Lemon and the competition committee to hash some things out. I know there were some other rules that they were trying to change but didn't get passed. Um, so maybe we'll see some of those in the future. But as of right now, uh, these are the major ones. Your thought? Yeah, I mean, you you really did a good job kind of laying them out. So I don't want to last too long on them. But I think um, I love the coincidental uh, minors and mm-hmm. going to four on four. It allows for, for more space, some more creativity. Um, I like how all these rules are majority of them are also about you know, maintaining pace of play, keeping mm-hmm. games shorter, trying to move things on. Now, the one thing that kind of goes against it uh, would be the majors being reviewed, but I also think that's a, a good thing. It sounds like it's going to be a quick review. It's not like they're going to take a, a full three minutes, and that's one thing as well that they're trying to focus on is is, is tightening up the reviews for goal calls. Um, but just the, the, the fact that now – you know, we, we see it in the NFL where, or in college football, like a targeting can, can be reviewed. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's a good thing. It, it keeps the players safe. It's, it's more of a safety uh, measure and it gets the call. We see, you know, majors rescinded all the time, but it doesn't happen until, you know, later on in the week, if they have the capabilities to rescind that major right away and not allow it. Like how, how, how much does that suck? If someone gets a five, uh, you and it ends up costing your team and it goes back and the officials review it and it's like oh we actually rescinded it it shouldn't have been a five it should have been only a two minute yeah what does that really do now the fact that they can do it in real time uh it's not going to have any outcome or 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 change it and it just ensures if it was a five let's be sure about it let's take another look the game moves so fast um and hopefully just the reviews stay tight but all in all i think it, it does a really good job emphasizing how fast and quick pace this game is. Uh, we found out that um, National Lacrosse League website will be more updated with stats um, through Champion Data, who is a company that the National Lacrosse League has used for the past year or two. Um, all those data and information and stats will be swapped over and will be on the NLL website. So you'll be able to go back and look at the career stats of players and past seasons of players. And they're going to start to update those more. And I know a lot of people were frustrated with the NLL website, trying to find information on players and stats. And it was tough for us as broadcasters to find information. So um, rest assured, the National Lacrosse League understands. We talked about it last week with Brett Frude about how they want to make sure the touch points for fans and technological um, areas were improved and this just goes to show that they are listening. They want to make the user experience that much better. And it's already begun. So if you if you go to the stats tab right now and go to, um, you know the 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 all player stats page where you see like the leading scores and all that stuff. So if you change, drop down, you can now look from 
2003 to 2024, which obviously doesn't have any stats right now, but yeah. so basically from last year all the way to 1998. So I'm on the 1998 page right now. Yeah. And again, this is crazy. That I, I, again, maybe this isn't fully <laughs> isn't fully updated, but right now it has Kevin Finnernan uh, yeah. leading the league in points with 20 and only three games played. So I don't know but back yeah, in the I, <laughs> I don't think they, I know they, played a, I know they played a much shorter schedule. But yes, I, don't think I think it was like eight or something like that. Yeah, but yeah so it's getting there. It's getting there. I mean, you that. can even just click a random, a random tab, 2005. You can go, oh, that's why. Shame on me. I was under the playoffs. So it wasn't. Oh. There you go. See, we were doubting them. It was the worst <laughs> playoff. So he had 20 points in three games. So look at that. They have the kudos to the to the NLL and champion data. Uh, that was for playoffs. So nicely there done. You, you can go all the way back to 98. That's crazy. Because you used to only get be able to get stats like 2005 and newer. So, you well, know, I couldn't check out my rookie year stats if I wanted to. You well, know, you my, can't, glorious, can't. my glorious second game where I had, where did I have? Four goals and one assist for five points or something ridiculous like that. It was the greatest game I ever played. <laughs> of course, Cam Bomb. Ken Bombari had to drop like six dimes on me to take away MVP and the Boulin wall stopped like 60 shots to take rookie of the week away from me, but whatever. I, I still got, I still got it. I still got the tape with Ripper calling all my goals. Oh, I love that. <clears throat> so here we go. So 19, 1998, 99 season, uh, 11 games played. Gary yeah. Gate led the league with 82 Shocker. points. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Hilts in second, 12 games played, 80 points. So like Joey Hiltz? Yeah. Wow. The Baltimore Thunder. Uh, oh, Pongi, oh, Thunder. 74 points in 12 games. Jake Berge, uh, 69 in 12 games. So, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, my apologies. 96, uh, who was Gator playing for? Detroit? Uh, uh, I just changed the page there. I think so, yeah, though. But, uh, yeah, you can go back and look at all those scores. Now, mind you, if you click on, let's say, you know, you go to Dane Smith's page, sure, you're going to be able to get all of his. It's just the individual stats page that would have, like, the the drop down. Those yeah. aren't uploaded yet, but those are supposed to come um, yeah. before season starts. So if you want to see how many points Dane Smith has scored over his entire career, which is a lot, spoiler <laughs> alert, um, you'll be able to see the full accumulation of all his, you know, his log from each season uh, there. So, so we, we appreciate it because, uh, let's be honest, everyone was pretty frustrated with it uh, last yeah. year. It wasn't for a lack of not trying. I think it was just, you know, the league signed this deal with champion quite late leading up to the season, and I think it was a bigger undertaking than than maybe each side probably thought it was. But now with a full off season, they've had a lot of this input, and uh, I think we're getting closer where it needs to be. Uh, this past weekend, there were some more scrimmages. Uh, we had a bunch out west as Vancouver, Calgary, San Diego, and Colorado were all out at the LEC. So we got to take in some of the games, see a bunch of the fellas. It just felt good to be back around all the guys, seeing the smiles on their faces, just happy to be playing again. And some of these guys are midseason form already. Uh, there's already the rivalries between these four clubs as we've seen in past years. So the intensity, uh, the intensity was there. Uh, Vancouver and Calgary played on Sunday morning and it was already heated between Kurt Miloski and Josh Sanderson. So we're already, you know, getting the heat 
from these clubs and it's just preseason. It was, it just felt so good to be back and, and watching the creators game. Uh, unfortunately I've had, had had opportunity to get out to the track or to uh, ILA uh, to take in anything. Luckily, you know, we saw Philadelphia and PCLC. Uh, they broadcasted a game, which was, which was really cool. Kudos to them. I know I was listening to the uh, lax class podcast yesterday. Jake was kind of, pushing Jamie's buttons to, to get his games uh, broadcast at, at the track. And it sounds like Jamie's going to look into it. So, yeah. I mean, if, if there is a game on this weekend and the rock are playing and you get a stream from it, thank Jake Elliott, because he was the one who all, all he did, he was just have to ask. And you know, Jamie, it's just like, yeah, sure. Let's, let's see if we can do it. So fingers uh, crossed that, that yeah. worked. Um, but yeah, if, if you are in the area though, whether, you know, you're out, uh, in the LEC, in 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 the uh, the mainland, or if you're in Ontario and and you're close enough to go to the ILA or to the track, um, please do go because um, one, uh, both. I don't know about the LEC, but I know in Ontario here for Halifax games and then for the Rock games, all you got to do is just bring a non-cherishable food item, uh, and it yeah. gets you entrance into the game. One, you're helping a good cause, and two, just get out there and see some lacrosse. It's uh, the regular season is going to be here before you know it, but um, definitely, even though it's preseason, it's still really, really high caliber and high quality lacrosse. Oh yeah, and, and you know we're we're already seeing guys ball like Ryan Sheridan, the rookie for Panther City, scored that ridiculously ridiculous one-handed goal uh we're seeing just the guys are, are like i said they're balling out they're ready and even better you know you mentioned uh bring a perishable item i don't think they were charging fans at the lec for those games this weekend obviously the sunday morning crowds were a little smaller than saturday afternoon but there were there had to have been a good couple hundred fans out watching the vancouver colorado game um, which was the second game of the afternoon uh, which is great to see because these Vancouver mainland fans, Warrior fans, want to see what this new look Kurt Miloski squad is going to be all about. And let me tell you, with the additions that they have made on the back end, they are going to be a problem. If Aaron Bold can be a 75% stopper, uh, if he can give them good minutes, quality minutes, and not give up sort of the soft goal, as we'll say, or maybe multiple soft goals. I really think this Vancouver team is going to cause some problems because that is a mean defense. They already had Mitski and Bowering and Charbonneau and Kalanich, but then you add Dilks and Beers and you add Owen Grant. Uh, these guys are going to be a scary unit out the back end, and I'm looking forward to it. If their offense can find a way to keep up with what their defense is going to do and their goaltending can be solid. Despite what I said, my hot take the other week, I really do believe that this Vancouver team is going to be a playoff contender. You bring up a great point. I think obviously goaltending is, is a question mark, as you said, but I do think the one certain with this team is they're going to play fast. They're going to play tough. They're going to be well coached and their defense is going to be the backbone. It's, can the offense keep pace? Can other guys besides Mitch Jones who left, can they step up? We know, we know Keegan Ball is going to put up big numbers. You know, we, we, we think that Adam Charlambides is, is ready to take that next step. Is he yeah. going to take that next step? 
He looked um, slim, man. I don't know yeah. if it was a, a season in the PLL, but Jake mentioned it when we were sitting beside each other. Charlie Meadies looks slim. He looks in great shape, and you're right. He's got to be a guy that that steps up. That's now his side of the floor. Yeah. The departure of Shuss and Mitch Jones and things like that. That's his side of the floor. Keegan Ball, Kevin Crowley, Kyle Killen. They've got to fill some spots. Um, you know, they're running Lowen and Martell on that left side with Charlotte Beatties. Who's going to be the fourth lefty? Who's going to be the fourth righty? There's going to be some guys battling for spots. And that's exactly what Kurt Miloski wants. And same thing goes in Calgary. We saw Kurt, uh, Josh Sanderson call out uh, Riley Isaacs in a video that Calgary put out saying, that's a guy that showed up and wants to earn a spot. He's competing. And, and that's what coaches want during these, you know, three, four weeks of camp. Who is going to make my decision the hardest when it comes down to picking rosters? And as a player coming into camp, that's all you can do. You can go as hard as you can, do all the little things. You have to make the decision on your coach and your GM hard because that makes them know that you want this. And man, there were some guys grinding all weekend and, it was just fun to watch and seeing some of these guys that really do want like Chase Scanlon, uh, Clay's brother um, had a fantastic weekend. No, sorry. Clay Scanlon, Chase's brother uh, had a fantastic weekend. He ripped a hole in that for the first goal of the game. Like that kid potted a few to be interesting to see if he can crack that Calgary roster. So um, across the board out West, it was a great opening weekend uh, for those teams scrimmaging. Uh, and it's just going to lead to more games down the road. And, and as we get closer to December 1st. Yeah. Those, those battles within the battles, uh, that's what the camp's all about. We know who's going to be, you know, be the number ones. We know who's going to, going to draw all the big minutes. Like for the most part, the, this training camp is for fine tuning of those players, but it's like the depth pieces, the practice rosters, and those are the guys really competing, but, when you have a deep roster, it pushes your top guys to be better. Like you can't, we said it last week and I'll say it again. Like training camp can't be your time to get in shape. You got to be in shape already. And I think a lot of these teams are hitting the ground running. They're, most aren't carrying really big rosters. We're not seeing, you know, a mass exodus of, of players being cut because there really aren't a ton. Like a lot of yeah. teams pretty much have their roster set. Yeah. With that being said, injuries are always a, uh, a point and if you have an opportunity listening to the lax class podcast this week uh steve dietrich the defending nll champion general manager and d coach was quite candid said seven defensemen are out that they had penciled in on their active roster brace sweeting out for the year adam bomberry likely out for the year they haven't seen Cam Wires yet. He was a first-round draft pick last year. Dylan Robinson, who played last year, was a top rookie, hasn't dressed for them yet. A ton of guys, just you know, seven right there, and five mm -hmm. of them are lefties. So yeah. training camp for them, who's going to fill those holes while those guys are out? Uh, and that's a big part of it as well. We haven't talked much about the Eastern Conference team, so let's bring in our main man, Adam Levy of nll.com to talk about what's going on in the east as he joins us right this week here on the off the crossbar podcast he is now an east coaster spent some time out on the west but now he's back in the nyc our main man adam levy what's up brother how are you 
I'm doing really well, guys. Uh, thank you for having me. And uh, it's still weird adjusting back to the East Coast, um, but uh, had a delicious, fresh, amazing bagel this morning and going for some of the best pizza later tonight in the city, John's Pizzeria on Bleecker Street. If you don't know, now you know. Now you know. Are you getting fat? Uh, that's, uh, well, let's not talk about that. It's, uh, it isn't helping being here. I'll, I'll say that much. Yeah. Um, all right. Let, let's start with one of the things that you're working on with the National Lacrosse League. And we're not truly putting your name to it, uh, but the NLL is starting <laughs> to unveil their top 50 players in the National Lacrosse League. They've done goaltenders. They've done transition players. Um, take us through the process of all this and, and how the league is rolling it out. Yeah. So I can start by saying that I cannot stress enough that I did not make the lists. <laughs> I've literally just been writing up the pieces for the lists along with my colleagues, Anna Taylor and John Rappaport. Um, and uh, I know when I saw them for the first time, there was a, a few head scratchers for me, as I'm sure for all of you and all the listeners as well. Um, so yeah, the league's coaches and GMs uh, voted on this to decide who they thought were the best at those positions. Now, I don't necessarily know their thought process, although I know that Hearing uh, from different sources in the year and there, there's been different ways that coaches and GMs have gone about it. However, you know, I think that um, the, the, the more that you're writing up these lists, the more that you can find positive things to say about these guys. But at the same time, I feel like so many guys have been overlooked. If we look at today, Mike Messenger, you know, not on the transition list, um, definitely a surprising one for me, but um, it's been fun. Uh, knowing about these lists for some time and, and you know, keeping them secret, but also, uh, you know, maybe hyping up some players that we don't talk about as much. You know, I would just say Colton Watkinson is one of those that maybe we don't talk about that was on that list. Um, and uh, really, I always love giving hype to guys that don't get enough of it. So that was fun in that perspective. I think, I, I think with the NLL, uh, and the content team, which you are obviously, you know, a big part of it with what's going on at NLL.com, um, you know, with a lot of these things rolling out, this being one of them, um, you know, kind of following like what we see with the NFL, with their top 100 or the NBA with their ESP, like, and that drives, you know, debate and discussion. I feel like, you know, with the NLL, it's and it's fans. We don't get enough of the debates and and who should be in the top five or this guy or that guy. How important is it creating more of a player centric profile for some of these guys? Because let's be honest, lacrosse players are some of the most humble players, uh, people that you'll come across. They don't really like talking about themselves, but when you look at growth in some sports in the United States, um, for example, the NBA. It's a player-driven league. It seems like the NLL's not trying to take that approach, but is more open to promoting more of the faces of the game rather than just the teams. 100%. Yeah, and I think that you actually hit the nail on the head in the very beginning is that a lot of this idea came from uh, the ESPN Top 50 there. And obviously when you've got a, a great mind like Scott Turkin running the show in terms of helping out with content, you know, him being a former guy at ESPN there, uh, he knows what's been successful and what hasn't been. And so to be creating that kind of thing for the NLL, I think is awesome. I also think that we do need to be having more debates and maybe we need to, you know, having some of these 
decisions in there with players that you might disagree with, I think is a good thing because any conversation that we're having about the NLL or lacrosse in general is a good conversation with where the league is at right now. We want to be talking about lacrosse, hopefully in a positive way, but, you know, as long as people are having these discussions and, you know, diving into why they think those players are good and why they aren't good and aren't deserving. I think that we just need to be continuing those conversations more and more. So it's been really good to, to be able to have that. And it's nice that it's not just the top five, you know, you had the top 10 and then you've got uh, so many positions that are being broken down. So you're really getting to see a whole wide array of NLL talent. And and you've been doing a great job again, along with Anna and John, telling the stories of our players and you know not just focusing on their other jobs but their 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 paths to the national lacrosse league their their struggles their barriers the the things that they've accomplished what's really stood out to you in the last few weeks talking to our athletes and the coaches um, about what these guys go through so I think the, the main things that I've learned is that guys are just so excited. And, you know, I think part of it, to be honest, comes from the reaction we see from a lot of the PLL stuff. I think that that's actually creating a really solidified bond with a lot of guys who are box guys and just play box. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it gets people really excited about the National Lacrosse League and, and wanting to talk about their journeys because, you know, they don't necessarily, they're getting overshadowed, I feel, because of a lot of the attention that might go to the PLL. And so guys have been super open and super honest about their journeys, their stories, things that they've struggled with. And, you know, I think that it's incumbent upon people like myself to to be open and honest about all kinds of conversations and relationships and things. And um, the more that we can develop those, I think that that's for the better. But, you know, being able, as I always do every November, to tell stories uh, in regards to Native American Heritage Month. I've got a few pieces on that coming out. Uh, one on Larson Sundown. Uh, he'll actually be featured in a couple pieces in a couple different spots. Um, you know, hearing his story about, you know, uh, what it means to be growing the game on Long Island and, you know, scoring his first goal or uh, scoring a goal in Buffalo uh, just down the road from his family, you know, and hearing about those deeply rooted connections. I mean, that always to me gets me pumped up and motivated for the NLL season talking to these indigenous players because, you know, without them, we have no game and we we can never forget that. Perfectly said. I, I think that's, you know, one thing that you do such a great job as uh, as a storyteller, one of the best ones that this game has indeed. And, and you know, coming into this season, I think we all know there's a lot of storylines. The the one story, obviously, can the bandits go back to back? Did they get the monkey off their back? Now has maybe this start of a dynasty happened? Can the Toronto Rock get over the hump? There's countless of, of storylines, but what's maybe the one under the radar story that you're looking forward uh, to seeing at the start of this season? Well, I think there's a lot of hype around the Philadelphia Wings and, you know, I've gotten to spend a lot of time around them. Um, It's great that Mitch Jones, uh, who I got to know so well, uh, not only in Vancouver, but with the new Westminster Salmon Bellies being out here, as well as Zach Higgins as well. Um, So I've been talking to a lot of those guys a lot. And I think that there's 
a lot of excitement and expectation that these guys are going to do really well. They're not going to be this nine to nine team anymore. They're not going to be outside of the box. They're going to be really, you know, big time players this year. So I think that that's something that, you know, fans need to probably start uh, expecting from them as we go forward. Obviously it's going to be interesting to see how Holden Katoni fits in in that situation. And also the fact that, you know, you, you see it with guys like uh, Derek Keenan out in Saskatchewan and then Coach Day and GM Day in, in Philadelphia. You know, when these guys don't have the seasons that they want, their expectations go through the roof in terms of how quickly they want to turn around and hearing from both of them that, you know, we had some slow years, but now is the time to excel. I think those are two teams uh, that are going to do uh, I think better than a lot of people expect. And I think maybe the rush might be a bit more of a surprise in Philadelphia. But I think that um, if you look at how Shiliano was playing in San Diego uh, for the last four regular seasons, pretty decent numbers. And the, with the youth and athleticism on defense that he has in front of them in Saskatchewan and the way they're going to be moving the ball up and down the floor, I think that that they'll be pretty impressive. You got a chance to watch some preseason scrimmages out East. Um, what did you think of the actions? Pat and I were just talking about the games out West that we've seen. Um, it's already mid season form. What did you like about those scrimmages that you took them part of? Yeah, I thought that, uh, that in New York, I think that, you know, they have high expectations there as well. And I think that they're trying to figure out who's going to play in what position. They got some unfortunate news you know, they were hoping that P.D. LaSalle was going to help out at the face-off. And I know that I'm not trying to necessarily trigger the whole face-offs matter debate here. But, you know, <laughs> I think when you can get more possessions, especially when you got a guy like Jeff Teed, I think that's very helpful. And so it's unfortunate that he can't be there. Uh, I have to say, I really was impressed with uh, Dunkerley in net when I saw him uh, in the scrimmages. The way that he was so quick on his feet and moving post to post. Uh, made a couple uh, highlight reel saves. Um, unfortunately, they they aren't out there for us to all see, but to see it in person was great. And um, so that was really exciting to see what's going to happen there. Although still a bunch of questions in net for them. Is it going to be Kevin Orleman? Is it going to be Dunkerley? We don't know. So yeah, it, I think that they're a little bit of a work in progress. But for Philadelphia, from the moment that I got there, even when guys were just stretching, um, no one was slacking off. They were all taking it very, very seriously. Uh, I think they know what's expected of them. They know what they want. Um, There's a lot of excitement that Mitch Jones is having a full camp with them and that he'll be there for a full season. Um, It was very, very competitive uh, from start to finish. And uh, it was really exciting to see a new West Salmon Belly guy uh, in Anthony Corsell get the game winner in the scrimmage there with only 37 seconds left. Um, do you think Mitch Jones can, you know, we've seen him have MVP type seasons in Vancouver and he was kind of on pace for one before he got traded. And then he ends up, you know, blowing over the hundred point marker this year. Can he be another hundred point guy? And can he be an MVP candidate for the Philadelphia Wings? I think he can be. And I think that they're hoping that he can be. I think that he is uh, going to be a huge focal point of that offense. And I expect 
based on that scrimmage and the practices that I've seen, you know, Blaze Reardon again is going to be a huge factor of that offense. And it'll be very, very cool and interesting to see the two of them work together. They have a past not only from Buffalo, they have an amazing friendship off the floor. So I think that chemistry will be amazing for both players. I think with the amount of offensive weapons that the Wings have, I think that Mitch Jones can be very, very successful there. Um, Holden Katoni is and has been very reliable throughout his career. And I think if you just look at his numbers, even though he's moved around from club to club, he's been fairly consistent. So I think that that's just another way for Mitch Jones to get some assists there. And uh, yes, to answer the question, I do think that he will be an another another 100 point player. Sticking on the East Coast, I know you're you were sad to depart uh, Vancouver. Won't be seeing too many games uh, in the summer, visiting all the beautiful arenas or hanging out uh, at Rogers Arena with whether it's Teddy or Brad. But according to one of your tweets, is according if all goes to plan, you will be excited to be in attendance for 23 regular season games this year including five different arenas and seeing 13 of the 15 teams in action. I, I think you've got me and Teddy beat and yeah. probably any other broadcaster or, or, or media member beat. That's impressive. Tell us a little bit about your tour that's going to be happening this year. Cause this is, this sounds awesome. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm taking advantage of being back on the East coast and also taking advantage of the fact that you can get pretty much anywhere very easily via Amtrak or bus or plane or wherever. That's not as accessible when you're in Vancouver, kind of stranded there. So, you know, when uh, you can catch a $10 train to Philadelphia at the right time and you can uh, get to Albany within two hours, it's pretty helpful. So yeah. Uh, you know, I'm trying to get to at least one game every single week. I'll be at every Riptide home game. I'll be at about six of the Philly home games. Um, and I have some exciting days and weekends planned. So, for example, on uh, the 16th of December, I'm heading down to Philly early in the morning for their 1 p.m. game. And then as soon as that's finished, I'm catching the train back and then heading directly to Long Island for the Riptide game that starts <laughs> Uh, and then um, there's a little bit of a break after that, which is kind of nice. And I'm sure Nikki is very relieved that she'll have to <laughs> with more help around the house. Although I will also say that Preston and Nikki will be joining me for a lot of the road trips, maybe not awesome. out to Long Island as much. But but then on the weekend of March 8th, 9th, and 10th, I'm planning on going up to Albany uh, when the Firewolves host the Warriors. Then the 9th, the next day on Saturday going to Long Island where the Riptide hosts the Desert Dogs and then heading down to Philly the next day where Panther City goes to Philadelphia. So that'll that'll be really exciting to do. Um, and then again, it also helps out that there's not a lot of New York home games that are going to be taking place in April. So a little bit of a break before the playoffs and then we'll see what happens there. Man, that is the life, eh, Patty? That's so sweet. I mean, like, I know in like WLA summertimes, you could literally watch a game a week driving around the mainland, whether it's Burnaby, Coquitlam, New West, Langley, uh, wherever. But to be able to do four or five NLO markets in a weekend, driving, bus, and wherever, like, it's, I'm jealous of fans that can do that. And, you know, that's a lot of the lure for some of those players out east to be in those markets because it's not a lot of flying, it's easy travel. 
Um, man, I, I completely am jealous uh, of everything that you get to do and all the games that you get to see. Um, you mentioned the media darling that is Preston Levy. <laughs> Let's get into it. Um, yeah. He is going to be doing Preston's picks again, and it took the world by storm uh, late in the season. You were doing it for the Minto. You were doing it for the man. Um, this is something that that's caught on like wildfire. How can people try to take down the champ? Yeah. So first of all, and I, I mean, no offense to any ugly babies out there, but thank goodness he is a cute baby. <laughs> <laughs> that helps a lot. Um, but, uh, yeah, so he's, he, we're going to be doing the Preston's picks and it's very exciting. Uh, it's, it's one of those ways and also traveling, like we were just talking about is a great way to get him introduced to the game and, and see as many places and and go to as many uh arenas as possible he loves sports he loves the game he loves being physical um and uh he, he it's really just something that comes natural to him and so if this is just a fun way for us to all get together and you know nikki's going to be making picks as well um oh, and for us to have this kind of family moment uh and do that and you know, I, I wanted to, I always like to to try and give back to the fans and things like that. So, you know, the players around the National Lacrosse League uh, have been signing uh, balls and other all kinds of lacrosse stuff that I can hand out. So if you go to the office pool junkie uh, that I've made, um, you know, and, and you can pick against Preston, what you'll be able to do is that if you beat him, then you you win a prize. There'll be one prize winner each week, and then at the end of the season, if you have the most wins at the end of the season, uh, and of course that means that Preston doesn't have the most wins of the season, which you know that could happen. Preston could, you know, end up getting every single pick right, which would be quite the story. Uh, you know, um, then that person will win season tickets to the team of their choice. What? So that, wow! Yeah. Holy so crap! I, that's pretty cool. And, um, you know, I, I think that like, like I was saying before, you know, we just want more people talking about the game, uh, any way we can engage with men, women, kids, uh, people who don't know lacrosse, people who love lacrosse, you know, I think that doing these kind of kitschy things, you know, that are also amazingly fun for our family and bring us closer together. I think it's an awesome way to be doing that. That's awesome. Now I just joined up now, so I I'm locked in. Uh, how can other folks sign up for Preston's picks? So yeah, I'll, I, it'll be posted uh, on my Twitter. I think it's um, at the top of it's pinned to the top of my profile. I'll have the link there where you can go sign up, uh, and then um, that that would probably be the best way to find the link for that. Uh, and you've got about what is it uh, two weeks to to sign up now, so. Go ahead and do that and first picks lock on noon of uh, the 1st of December. So you've got some time to, to figure out who you want to pick for week one. But yeah, definitely go to my Twitter at Adam Levy NLL. And then you can see that pinned at the top there. And uh, also, uh, since since I have this chance to plug it, if you don't follow me on Twitter already, you can do that at Adam Levy NLL. Uh, so yeah, um, and then we'll also be recapping all of the results and everything like that uh on on the lacrosse matrix podcast every week breaking down the numbers uh and doing stuff like that so that'll be a lot of fun i i mean there's been there's been a lot of talk about east and west coast which is kind of ironic because this is the, yeah. the year where we're saying 
Forget the East, forget the West. It's all one. Just wanted to get your thoughts. What do you think about the uh, unified standings for this season? Uh, I think that, and this is kind of what I've heard from players uh, around the league, is that uh, they're really going to be picking up their travel miles this (laughs) year. Uh, There's a lot of back and forth, and I'm sure it will be exhausting for them. I think that it's a very cool way uh, to get fans, and I know that this was the idea behind it. We want more fans to see more of the teams, and then you can decide, hey, I like this team, I like that team. This team might not be in my market, but they're really cool. I'm glad I get to see them on TSN or ESPN, and now I've seen them in person. Um, So I think from that perspective, getting more fans to see more players, it's a great way to do that. Um, I do feel a little bad for the players just because they are traveling a lot more. Um, some of those schedules, and I think I had tweeted about them, like this one team will, uh, let's say New York goes to Philadelphia, then they'll fly out to Denver, then they'll go back and play Buffalo. Uh, it's a lot. And with these guys that have full-time jobs and families and other commitments, that's uh, it's a lot to put on someone's plate. But if fans are, are benefiting from it, I mean, that's, and the game is moving forward, I think that in the end, it'll all pay off. Um, how did you enjoy your time at the New York Stock Exchange? Yeah, it was a cool experience. Uh, I guess I, I say that with a little bit of an inflection, mostly because, uh, you know, when you're around a lot of top people in lacrosse, there's, especially in that setting, everyone is very um, tailored. You know, they're they're not going to be necessarily their, their true self in that situation, and rightfully so. If you've got U.S. lacrosse there, and you've got Paul Rabel there, and you've got Brett Frude there, you know, you don't want to show all your cards at once, but... To see everyone there together in one room was, uh, it was exciting to see. And I really felt, at least for that moment, that the Elevate 28 movement and what peop- what all those groups signed up for was really important, uh, which is to grow the game and, and to double across pers- uh, participation, you know, uh, by 2028. So I think that that initiative is, is great. And, um, you know, I, I hope that we can continue to do that and that these groups and the people that were there, um, can, can stay true to that. And it seemed like there was a lot of relationship building happening between a lot of the groups. And so hopefully, you know, fruit can be, be bore for that bore, bore, born, whatever the term is. You're yeah. the smart one. You're the smart yeah. one. <laughs> um, Montreal news got dropped. Uh, is that on your list of cities to go to up to Laval? So that is going to be a new venue that uh, was not already on the list. And I know, uh, Pat, I think you're going to be there. I'll be and there. Um, so I guess, Teddy, now you got to get out there. I know. I I'm, I'm looking into it. He's Calm already down. looking at flights. I got He's my travel agent on it. Don't worry. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, that's just such a cool experience. You know, I think that uh, – you know, having been at the Las Vegas game, what was that now four years ago? Um, you know, being at those events and and seeing everyone, you know, to, to kind of piggyback off that same thought that I just had of seeing everyone come together for these cool moments and, you know, get that uh, glimmer of hope that there's a lot of progress being made for the future and, and see what can come of those moments, I think is really awesome. And so, you know, to, to be part of that and to be around the best of the best, like, like you guys who, who, you know, are always at these major events and, you know, uh, see the other amazing people around lacrosse and the national lacrosse league there. It's, it's going to be awesome and exciting to see lacrosse back in Montreal, uh, for the first time in a while. I was actually on the phone today with a couple of 
former Montreal Express players, and they were uh, talking how about how awesome that team was, um, that they had so much fun, um, yeah. that that really was like, I, I think, uh, I so I spoke to Bruce Codd as well as Jason Crosby, who were on that team, and they said that if it wasn't the best time of their life, it was right next to it. Because it was just that group that they had, you know, Tracy Koleski, Bruce Alexander, guys that are still around the game, Matt Sawyer, an assistant coach there. Um, they just loved it, you know, and they they would, the Ontario guys in particular, would take the train up or take the train down and, you know, this nostalgic experience. And I, I had asked Coach Cod, I said, so are you going to, you guys going to take the train again? And he said, I haven't thought about it, but, you know, well, we might, we, we might end up doing that. Yeah, it was a it was a fun train ride back when they played the afternoon games, and you got the early evening train back home. There was a few pops being had. Um, before we let you go, you mentioned the, the Lacrosse Matrix podcast. What's the this weekend's or this week's Matrix number, and and who's coming up on the show? Uh, so it's going to be Ian McKay. Uh, I spoke to him earlier this week, and you know he's a guy that's beloved by NLL fans, and you know. Uh, has has gotten a bit slighted in the PLL, and I did ask him about that. And um, you know, just in general, it's interesting because he always seems to be near the top of what um, you know award voting. You know, the fourth over, or the fifth overall pick, I believe, in the draft, but never number one. And if that creates a chip on his shoulder, and you know, I think that his answer was a really good one. You know, when you're always so close, and I think he's just getting better and better, and he's a great guy to talk to, and. Uh, I got to talk to him over the summer because he has a great relationship with uh, Brody Merrill, who helped him get to where he is, as, you know, I'm sure millions of our mil- thousands of kids can say about, you know, Brody and his influence. So, uh, so yeah, you can catch that uh, on the Lacrosse Major podcast. Should be dropping uh, Friday um, at some time. So, uh, yeah, that'll be very exciting. And also, before uh, I have to go here, I always have my numbers for you guys. And I was actually looking it up since there's 15 days left until the start of the regular season. And Teddy, did you know that in 2006, you played 15 games in your first year for the Edmonton Rush? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And the only game I didn't play was our very first game of the year. And it was against Philadelphia. And I was a a last minute scratch for Daryl Welch uh, because our head coach wanted to put him in to, uh, to go up against Jeff Snyder and unfortunately that didn't really go as planned <laughs> as Jeff Snyder landed about 15 shots right to uh right to the button um that fights somewhere out there but uh yeah we went one in 15 that year it was a great memory thanks bud <laughs> well if if you don't want to think about it from that perspective you did have uh uh eight uh, loose ball pickups against Ooh. Arizona in Arizona that season. So pretty impressive. And a career high 44 loose ball pickups. Let me that. tell you. <laughs> scoop up a Lucy. <laughs> uh, this is awesome, buddy. Appreciate you as always. Uh, fantastic chatting with you. Uh, much love to the family. Uh, stay safe. And uh, I'm sure we'll all see you at an arena soon. Thanks, pal. Of course, guys. Thanks so much. Appreciate you guys. Ah, the old 1-15 Edmonton Rush. One of two 1-15 seasons in my career. Um, 15, what a what an unfortunate number for me sometimes. Uh, but great stuff there uh, with the man, Adam Levy. Uh, just 
the grind never stops with that guy. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually so funny before we get to that, just, he's actually just such a nice guy. Even when he's body banging, yeah. he's even still nice about it. Right? <laughs> like, well, look, you had this many career yeah. early spells and you had a career <laughs> high here <laughs> after he stuffs you in a locker. Yeah. So good. Uh, but no, it's honestly like it, it, every time I open up my Twitter um, and I'm a lot on, I'm online quite Wait. a bit. Um, a tweet is out, uh, some yeah. sort of nuggets out. Um, the fact that now he's on the East coast, like talking about the, the road trips he's going to be like, that is, it is unbelievable. He puts so much time and work dedication, you know, into doing, you know, his job and telling these stories about players and, um, kudos to him, man, because it's a lot of hard work. Um, and I, 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 you know, I, it really, it's so cheesy to say, I've seen it a lot and like the whole, like the grow the game thing. And, and some people just say grow the game and some people actually go out there and do it. And I do believe that with what, what Levy's doing right now with telling these stories, um, you know, working for all the different publications that he is, he really is helping grow the game. And and we need more guys like him telling those stories, writing those great articles and, and, and of course, giving us those little nuggets that we can use in our broadcasts as well. Oh, the Levy Nuggets are some of the best nuggets a part of any broadcast. Well, we uh, got to stay positive, right? We got to give them that. Positive vibes only. All right. Yeah. Let's keep things positive. Um, what's good this week in the world of Pat Gregoire? Who? Uh, well... Not not too much when it comes to the sports teams. Let me just tell you. Tim. I wasn't going to bring it up. What happened? Did you guys did you guys win any games this week with your football team? Uh, well, uh, nope, no. Twelve men. Twelve. Twelve men added to the list of 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 just heartbreaking ways the Buffalo Bills can move. Hey, but they did fire Ken Dorsey. We'll yep. see what happens this weekend if that makes any sort of difference. But no, um, I think. You know, it's hard not to go to to what's happening in, in Montreal. Um, yeah. I, I, you know, I think it, I mentioned it. I've, I've been talking to some people already have reached out to me about from the lacrosse community and how excited they are for this to happen. And I think that immediately everyone, you know, goes to, okay, lacrosse team coming to Montreal soon. Who Who's moving? Uh, is it is it going to be New York? Is it going to be Albany? Is it going to be an expansion team? I know I'm one of the people that asked about expansion and growth from a team, but also at the same time, like let's let's just allow this event to be a great event, and mm-hmm. let's just worry about this one weekend and showcasing the greatest game in the world and, and bringing it to the people of Quebec, bringing it to um, you know these these young kids these families the the people that have been playing the game for a long time bring it in see what happens and uh, you know one great thing also on the call or uh, on the teleconference um i wish i had the the gentleman's uh, name in, in front of me i don't uh he worked for one of the publications uh, i think it was one of the newspapers in gatawage right. and he talked and asked uh, brett frude you know we, we are on the 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 south shore of of Montreal, um, you know, very much a, a part of the the fabric of the lacrosse landscape here in in Quebec. Um, what are the plans of having 
unboxed being a part of in in the community of Ganawaki. And it sounded like that that was definitely going to be um, something that was going to be incorporated. I hope whether it's the Ganawaki Minor Lacrosse Association or whatever it may be, I hope they are involved with the game itself. Um, I, I really hope that they get that community involved as well. It's close enough to Montreal. I think mm-hmm. it ties everything together with what the NLL is trying to do with, um, you know, some of the other initiatives that they've done, um, the NLL Unites program, things of that nature. So, I, I, I again, it's it's easy to get caught up in the hoopla of the growth of the game in Montreal when it comes to a professional standpoint. But let's take a step back. And let's just focus on what we need to focus first. That's grassroots. That's that's getting this in a right place before we just say, all right, we're, we're putting a team in Montreal and not really worrying about the little things that need to happen mm-hmm. about first. So yeah. I, I'm excited. I'm positive. That's my positive vibes. I love is, it. Is 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 the big event coming up in February? Yeah, and and you know you saw a lot of people saying you know bring a game to or a team back to Boston or where are we going? When are you coming here? Like. This is a slow process, you know, yeah. just let us, we can't go to every city and every market right away. Let's just slowly build this out. Let's see what they do next year. Uh, but yeah, massive PVO uh, for everything that's going to happen in Montreal in the new year. Uh, my positive vibes could be a multiple things. Um, it could be the Oilers on a bit of a heater. Uh, it could be the Broncos being one of the best defenses in the league. Um, the, uh, the Netflix cup was this weekend. I don't know if you saw any highlights of that. Uh, Formula One guys and the PGA. That was a pretty cool thing to to check out the highlights. I haven't watched it on Netflix yet. It's like two and a half hours on Netflix. That's a definite plane ride uh, watch. Um, but cool to see some of those crossover things that sports and leagues are doing. Um, but I'll stick with the National Crossing and I kind of go back to our broadcaster call Um there's when we talked about champion data and some of the, and the stats that are crossing over to the league website, they're also adding some stat categories. Uh, I love the fact that they're, they're really trying to continue this user experience and deepen the stat database in the national cross league. They're going to be doing um, touches per player, which I think is, is a pretty cool one just to, to see who is, you know, that guy that the offense always runs through. Um, who is that guy that really doesn't need the ball and his stick a whole lot to be effective? So it'd be cool to to take in that. Uh, they're going to be doing sort of individual face-off battles, so you can see how you know Trevor Baptiste does against TD Erlin or, or against uh, Jake Withers. That's going to be a cool comparison. Other than this guy is just thirty-four for fifty-six for seventy percent or whatever, you're going to actually be able to go and look at a guy's individual stats against someone else, and then we'll get like turnover breakdowns and, and quarter breakdowns a little more fluidly and live stats are going to be a little more fluid. So again, the user experience for everybody uh, through stats is just going to continually improve. And that's just something that the league uh, has been wanting to work on and is doing a good job of getting us there. You mentioned the touches. That was yeah. the one thing that I was introduced or most intrigued by. And there's more that could potentially come this this year. Mm-hmm. Likely not. It might, but it likely like next year. And that's the thing. Just be patient, folks. I know last year was was a bit of a grind. Yeah. This year will be much better. The following year will be even even better. And the following year, like some of the stuff that they're discussing, um, you know, that 
I've had discussions like we've had discussions with, with, like you said, the call last night, but even independent discussions with Brett fruit and some of the ideas that, you know, he has and have had talks with champion that like really cool things, similar things yeah. that you see in the NFL and the NA, like we're close. You just need to wait on, but back to the touches. Uh, one, it opens up a door for analytics. And I know there's some people that do great analytics, Cooper, Ty. Um, it's only going to make their lives even easier when we're we crazier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And crazier. <laughs> But I'm interested to see like who's the most effective player like per touch, like yeah. the least amount of touches, per, like per per points almost per touch. Like who yeah. who is that that going to be? And like defenders, obviously their numbers would be through the roof. But like who are those inside catch guys? Like that yeah. ball's barely in their stick and it's boom in and out. Um, I'm interested to kind of see that. Um, I don't think it, it'll be interesting if if one day. You know they're they're obviously doing touches, but like time of possession. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Possession. Right? Like how long per thirty is a ball in a guy's stick, or how how long throughout an entire game does Dane Smith have the ball in a stick compared to you know uh, a Shane Jackson or yeah. you know uh, some of these guys in the crease, like you said, are just just muckers, quick stick guys that that barely touch the ball. That's going to be a very interesting one if that ever gets to it, because I would love to see that. Yeah, and that would be a great way for coaches to be like, hey, move. <laughs> Dude, you're ball. packing the ball, bro. <laughs> Look at your points compared to how much you're holding the ball. That's not yeah, good. No, no, that would be interesting. And again, this is why, why like stats aren't the be-all, end-all. Like some guys are just ball carriers. Some guys yeah. are inside catch shooters. That, so like that's why the eye test is also very important. And I know Ty's probably throwing his phone at, at his, at the ground right now while he's listing me say that like the eye test is still very important. Um, but these stats are also like, you, you need the stats, you need the, the analytics, you need those metrics to help support what you're seeing. And sometimes what you're seeing you then need those numbers to validate what you are seeing. It's yeah. a, it's a, it's a circle, right? You can't have one and the other, you need both to support it. So um, I'm excited for it. I think, I think there, there's going to be some really cool things coming in the next couple of years. All very positive. Adam Levy brought up a couple parts of my NLL journey. Uh, let's see if I can guess who this week's NLL Jersey Jersey, well, NLL Jersey journey mystery athlete is uh, you guessed correctly with josh sanderson last week in his tour through the national cross league so you get to go hit me with it if you don't know we're gonna basically find a player that's been in the nll since 2000 they don't still have to be in the league but had to have been in the league in 2000 or more recent and then we will give each other that player's journey all the teams that they played for and we got to try to figure out who it is just inspired uh, by the NLLstats.com um, immaculate grid that Graham Perro does. Patty, hit me. All right. So this player began their NLL career in Minnesota. Okay. That's then, good. Yeah, I played there. That's a good start. Okay. They then went to Toronto. Then to Boston, Rochester, Saskatchewan, and then finished in Halifax. Okay. First 
makes me think Ryan Benash, but he never played in Sask or Rochester or Boston. It wasn't Minnesota, wasn't Toronto, wasn't okay, so it's not Benny. Uh Grierzo never played in Halifax or Toronto. Minnesota to Toronto to Boston. Oh, I know. Soupy. Scotty ding, Campbell. Ding, 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 ding. Yes. You got it right. I couldn't remember if he played in Boston. That was the sticking point. Four games in Boston. So that was, <laughs> that's, that's a sneaky one. That's, that's a, a sneaky, sneaky one. one. I know. I had a so I'll, full disclosure. Um, when you mentioned this, I was thinking like long and hard about it, and I was about like with between a few people, and then I was like, I'm going to do Campbell. And when I went back to look at it, I was like, yeah. Oh, Boston! I didn't <laughs> even realize that he was there. For, I thought it was every other team but the Boston. Yeah. So. Yeah, I did that the other day. I was doing the Immaculate Grid and Derek Milosky's name popped up. I'm like, Derek Milosky played in Colorado? I'm like, oh, yeah, look at Derek Milosky. Ten games his final year. Um, well, hold I, on. I, yeah. I, I, because when we were ta- when uh, Adam was talking about the uh, the original Montreal Express teams and yep. the, the 2002 team and how many great players they had on it, like, so I went back really quickly and – the, 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 how was this team only eight and eight? Like this team was a wagon, man. Like Koleski, Dowling, Cod, Crosby, uh, Matt Giles. Um, yeah. Who else they have? Uh, Joe Hiltz, uh, Bruce Alexander, uh, Brad MacArthur, like Travis Kilgore for five games. Like th- this, this team was, was really legit. Like really, really legit. Their goalies were D-Rock and Paldor. Uh, Derek, Derek Collins. They had Andrew Leishon. Yep. Yeah. Uh, who else was their goalies? Yeah, this year it was Palador and Elaine Lumiere. Oh, never heard of that guy. Maybe a local French guy with that last yeah. name. I don't know. C'est bon. C'est bon. Um, yeah, the, the story, like, uh, Scott Campbell is one of my favorite teammates. Just an unbelievable dude. Uh, so happy he's going to, you know, he, he wants to kind of get in the back end uh, of team personnel. Um, but the story just always will always 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 remember the unfortunate leg incident that he had in Minnesota. He was on defense on, on the far side of the crease. AJ Shannon, who was a good buddy of his, had the ball, drove underneath, dove across the crease, took a shot and just collided with Scott's leg that was planted on the ground and and fractured it or broke it right above the ankle. It was one of the nastiest things I've seen in a lacrosse game. And the fact that He's been able to come back from that and have the career that he has uh, is just an incredible, incredible story. And, you know, that injury could have ended his career. He could have never played again, but he had the drive and the passion to get back in the NLL and look at the career that he ended up having um, with some incredible fan bases and some incredible history, uh, winning championships along the way. Um, just an incredible human being, incredible ambassador, and just a, a great story uh, is Scott Campbell. Yeah, he's uh, obviously you you said a, a lot about his playing career and him as a person, as a player. Um, now he's moved into that assistant general manager role, and mm-hmm. um, you, we don't really hear from him. Um, you know, nope. in the media, we don't really 
you know, we see him when he's at the games in Halifax or if he makes a trip to, to Toronto or whatever it may be. Um, just because we don't see him as much as or hear from him as much doesn't mean that he's not involved, man. Like, yeah, he didn't just dip his toes into this. Like, as soon as he got hired, he was like immediately Kurt's right hand man. And he is unless he wants to and just stay in the Halifax organization forever, um, by all means, he'll probably have a job forever. But yeah. with that being said, if he wants to get his own job, I think this is a guy that could be a GM one day because he's, again, he's a guy that goes all in, right? And he's yeah. he's done such a good job being an assistant GM. I think he, uh, he's got a very bright future when it comes to management. All right, last week we talked about odds for the NLL Cup. Um, what else do our friends at CoolBet have? Let's find out. Time now for Box Bets, your source for all the lines, odds, and props from across the world of lacrosse. Brought to you by CoolBet.com. Stay cool, bet responsibly. <laughs> hey, we're having a good day, lads. And uh, we're still in the mix, baby. <laughs> all right, Patty, hit me with it. Win totals. We have two win totals. And let me just say, it has stirred up some controversy, <laughs> but that's what it's all about. More it so than that. the top 50 announcements? No, um, oh, let's let's not get into that. <laughs> um, but let's get into these odds. Let's let's break down some of the win totals because I do agree. Some of these I think are spot on. Some of these you're wondering what's going on here, but Hey, that's why this is why they're betting odds. This is why you call it gambling. And sometimes you think you're completely spot on and you couldn't be even close. And sometimes you do get a nice lean. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. These are just projections based on the sports book. They're usually pretty good at their job, but let's go through them. Uh, the Albany firewolves, their total is set at six. The Buffalo Bandits, their win total is 13 and a half. The Colorado Mammoth, nine and a half. The Georgia Swarm, eight and a half. Las Vegas Desert Dogs, six and a half. The New York Riptide, nine. The Philadelphia Wings, nine and a half. The Rochester Nighthawks, seven and a half. The Calgary Roughnecks, ten and a half. The Halifax Thunderbirds, ten and a half. Uh, the Saskatchewan Rush, seven and a half. The Toronto Rock, 12 and a half. Panther City Lacrosse Club, nine. The San Diego Seals, 12 and a half. And the Vancouver Warriors, a whopping 10 regular season wins. Um, dog liked it. Dog, the dog's barking. I think he likes that one. He's <laughs> heavy on, on the Warriors. Um, I think I know what your answer is. I think I know. I think I know what your answer is. Yeah. Um, but maybe what's one or two that really jump off? Maybe not even necessarily as like it's like we don't agree, but maybe just something that kind of surprised you. Um, okay. I, I know we have to take into account that it's the unified, right? I think that kind of plays into this because yep. you're not playing as many teams, you know, over and over again. But the fact that the Calgary Roughnecks were 13 and five last year all they did was get better and change they changed their coaching staff but as a player personnel wise all they did was get better by adding hoagie i don't see them regressing i i think dropping them by two and a half wins um what is a big standout for me um 
comparatively the fact that the odds makers had San Diego as the top team for the early preseason odds, but they're not the team to win the most regular season games um, is maybe a bit of a question mark. And then I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to take Vancouver as well. I, I think they, um, I think they win more than 10 and a half too. Wow. So I was looking, so Vancouver, I think a lot, like from, from a lot of, at least some chat on, on social media, some people think Vancouver is too high, which is, I think 10 is right where it should be. Um, Just, I think it's just because like you look at what they have had in, in years past, what their total was last year, how many wins they won last year, but they're, they're a completely different team. But I was looking back um, even that one year when the Vancouver stealth um, made the playoffs, they only had nine wins. Yeah. Um, They've never hit the 10, the double digit mark. Um, but I think this is the team that can do it. Uh, you mentioned obviously Calgary. I tend to agree. I based off of like, they do have a really tough schedule, schedule. They have a tough travel schedule. So a lot of that goes into it. You mentioned sure. with San Diego um, for them, for, you know, they're tied with 12 and a half with Toronto. And I think Buffalo is 13 and a half. That necessarily what, why, why it's that it's, it's not the odds to finish first in the regular season yeah. to, to win the championship. And let's be honest, minus four or plus four fifty to five fifty is really not that big of yeah, a difference. You can lump those three teams all together. Um, the one other one that I was I was really surprised with. I I feel like there is a lot of uh, a lot of folks that think that this New York Riptide team is is going to take steps. Mm-hmm. For them to be at nine, like I, that's again, I, I I think that they have they have an opportunity to. They have the best, arguably the best player in the planet yeah. uh, playing for them. Uh, their defense is vastly improved. I think it, it really comes down to Dunkerley. I thought that was going to be lower um, and one that I would be like, bet this because I right, think yeah. they're going to. But the fact that it's right at nine, I think that the odds makers kind of nailed it. thought Rochester was a little bit low at seven and a half, but maybe are they due for, for regression here? No, no, no Katoni, but then you, you have a McComby come in the lineup. Who's healthy in, in between the pipes? Yeah. I think that's a big question mark. Did they like it? it can Fields replicate what he did last year? I don't know. I, I honestly, and I'm not just saying this because of my associations with Coolbet. I think for most of these, um, the odds maker has it makers yeah. have like nailed it right on the line. And for those that are wondering that maybe aren't huge betters, I'm wondering like how can you have nine and a half wins? <laughs> think of it as the same as the over unders. You know, if it's a, a you know twenty and a half goals or um, a one and a half spread. Yeah. So for example, if the Philadelphia wings finish with 10 wins, you will cash the over because the, they needed nine and a half. If they hit, if they have nine wins that is under because they need more than nine and a half. But let's say the New York riptide, for example, they have nine. If they finish dead on nine, that's a push. And what that means you get your money back. There's yeah. no win. There's no lose. 
you get your original stake back. So that's also probably pretty enticing when you're looking at some of these numbers. Yes. The ones that are whole numbers, you kind of have a little bit of insurance there. If you land on that number exactly, you at least can possibly get your money back. Insurance is good. And if you want to play along with us and be as cool as we are, head over to coolbet.com, find that lacrosse tab. You can go and check out all the NLL odds that are there. Again, NLL Cup odds are out, win totals are up, and as we get closer, more and more odds will become apparent. Don't forget, use that co- promo code OTCB and play along with us as our friends at CoolBet will boost your first donation. Uh, anything else going on with the CoolBet crew? I mean, it's a busy time, man. Like, obviously, NFL, full swing, um, NHL, NBA, really starting to heat up. Um, College football, I can't believe we only have two weeks left of the regular season. Um, You know, CFL Grey Cup this weekend. Really fun bets that will be available for that. Um, First prop bet, there's going to be a rouge as the first point. That got me on there. Yeah, the, so yeah, there there is a rouge. Yep, rouge bet. There's um, over under on sacks. Will there be a onside kick, a kickoff return? Um, I think there's there will be heads and heads or tails. Green Day, uh, the halftime. What's that? Is Green Day the halftime? Green Day is the halftime, and yes, you. It's not up there yet. Keep keep your eyes peeled. We'll we'll make sure we'll retweet it on social media. Um, but you'll be able to bet on the first song. Yeah. <laughs> American idiot. I was thinking like maybe uh, that would be pretty funny. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I'd like to see what the odds are. I think I'd like to see the odds before I make my pick, but I think they go with not one of their, you know, older, but like, I mean, I guess technically all their music is old at this point. They haven't come out with an album in a while, but I'm thinking like more of their like early to mid two thousands and rather their nineties stuff. Yeah. Touche. Um, again, head over to coolbet.com, play along, and as always, stay cool. Bet responsibly. A um, couple more things before we get out of here. Uh, there's a lot of heat coming at Peterborough and Kitchener-Waterloo Junior Association programs as it was made public that Nepean again applied for Junior A status in the OJ. Um, the vote was 9-2 to in favor. Unfortunately, you have to have a unanimous vote of agreement to get in and burrow and k-dub said nah nah we're not down for it so nepean gets denied and talk about getting dragged through it those two clubs aren't having a good week on social media and i don't think they really should to be honest like uh this sucks man like nepean is one of the best lacrosse centers in ontario right now and they can yeah, probably. Yeah, you're right. In Canada, um, they've dominated Junior B um, for many years now. Like last year, it was actually surprising mm-hmm. that they didn't make it to the Founders Cup again. They ran into a really hot goalie in Aguasasni. Like they put up like seventy plus shots. And if it and it's a blessing for some of these kids because if they didn't, they probably would have went deep in the Founders and they wouldn't have played such a big role. Like there were five or six guys on that team that were like main contributors for that Burlington team that won the yeah. Minto. Um, they're A in all their minor. Um, and they, I love how they also br- bring up, you know, other Eastern Ontario players, Western mm-hmm. Quebec, 
and indigenous players from Aguasazne and Ganawake. They can also play. Yep. Peter Rowan Kitchener, I get it. Maybe there's some reasons. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's the travel. I don't know what those reasons are. One, I'm sure they're not good enough. But two, you have to come out and explain why. You can't sit here silent and not tell those reasons because it's getting to a point now where all these other teams are saying yes and only two aren't and that's good enough to overturn a vote. That just doesn't seem that does just doesn't seem right. Um, arguably one of, if not the best player in Ontario right now, Willem Firth, um, for junior a he's, he's playing for the beaches, you know, now, now he doesn't have an opportunity to play junior a for his hometown team. Uh, you know, the fact that the beaches would have lost their, their number one player, um, and they still voted. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Kind of show like, Hey, this sucks for us, but this is the right thing to do kind of goes to show you where the votes should have gone. There's really no reason. And if, if, if it is finances, then I think you got to look yourself in the mirror and say, what do we need to do in order to have this junior team? And if it's not, then you got to look to sell or relocate or whatever it is, because it's getting to a point where there is zero excuse for this team not to have a junior A team. It's, it's really sad. Yeah. If, if the, the vote, the teams that said no, were the team were the teams that were benefiting the most from the Nepean players. You know, if it was a Beaches or if it was a Burlington or or whatever it may have been, like the teams that are really using those Nepean players to their benefits, then okay, that's one thing. But I don't think a lot of kids are playing in Nepean kids or Ottawa kids are playing in the borough or playing for KW. It, it makes no sense. Like, isn't Peterborough close? To the Ottawa region? Oh, Peterborough, I mean, I wouldn't say it's close. It's the closest. Closest. Yeah. It's the closest. And historically, yes, Nepean, you know, there have been some players from that Ottawa region that have played for Peterborough, um, but not within the last years when Nepean, you know, they've they've, um, affiliated with Orangeville in the past. Mm -hmm. They've affiliated with now Burlington. Um, obviously the beaches have a history of drafting kids from there. So it's not like Peterborough is directly affiliated and they get all the Ottawa kids and it's going to hurt them. Um, because that's not the case right now. And like, like you said, out of all the teams about arguing about travel, they would be the ones that could least argue it because they are the closest. Um, I don't know. Something's got to give, Uh, I understand there's got to be a vote, but the fact that even even the fact that two teams saying no turns it down seems yeah. like there's a problem internally. But um, that's enough. I don't want to get in trouble yeah. here. Yeah. That's and, and, and you're say. right in saying that th- these two clubs can't stay silent. We need to we need to have a reasoning. Like yeah, just if you're gonna say no, fine, stand by it. But tell us why. Yeah. Tell us why you don't feel that this club should should have the right to play junior a with everything that they've been doing. Like you mentioned the success they've had in junior B. I got a chance to watch those kids play at the survivors cup a couple summers ago. Um, an incredible organization that does all the things right. And, you know, they could easily say, you know, no, we're not going to let our kids go and play junior a sorry. You guys don't want us in your league. You don't get our players anymore. They won't do that. They want the best for their players to be able to go and have success. So kudos for the to keep trying uh, massive uh, heavy diapers for the borough and KW. 
Uh, one last thing before we get out of here. Um, our friends down south uh, in the PLL announced the new hometowns for their eight clubs, a bunch of rebrands. They went east-west. Uh, Boston Cannons, the New York Atlas, the Maryland Whipsnakes, the Philly Waterdogs are in the east. Charlotte Chaos, California Redwoods, Utah Archers, Denver Outlaws are in the West. Uh, I love the fact the Outlaws are back. Mm -hmm. I love the California Redwoods. Just makes sense. Um, Boston Cannons, that was a no-brainer. The fact that the Chaos are in Charlotte and not somewhere in upstate New York is a mind-boggler. I'm not really sold on some of the mock-ups of the logos that they did, but... This is Paul Rabel and the PLL, and this is their rebrand, and, and they do what they like. Um, but now their teams have quote-unquote home bases, uh, so those markets will get a few games, but they still are sort of touring. Um, but it will be interesting to see how this is well-received. Again, a lot of people unhappy they're not going to their market. You know, Seattle didn't get a team. The Great Lakes area didn't get a team. Um, so we'll see what happens in the future, but the PLL now has home teams. Um, sidebar. Uh, our friends over at the lacrosse network put out a tweet saying, Hey, uh, American sport teams, check out your neighbor. <laughs> Unbelievable. They didn't put a single NLL team in any of their graphics. You know, they're going to New York, no riptide. They're going to California, no seals. They're going to Denver, no mammoth. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> like, we had Brett Frude on this pod last week, and he talked about, you know, yeah, Paul Rabel and I have all this respect for Paul. We talk, yada, yada, yada. We talk about growing the game. We talk about working to show a united front. And then you go and pull this bullshit. Like, what are we doing? Where? How, how does it make sense not to when it is blatantly obvious that now they are doing it truly on purpose? It's really disappointing. It's not, it's not, you know, shocking again. Like I, okay. Like the lacrosse network is, is clearly, you know, affiliated and owned and operated by, by the PLL. Um, With that being said, is, is it Paul Rabel who's telling them not to post the NLL? No, but clearly that there is some sort of, you know, message from, it doesn't necessarily have to be Paul, but from, from the PLL, like let's not include them here. And, um you could just look at the comments man like pll players that also play in the nll were not afraid to voice their opinions i'm not going to read off any of the the comments you can go do the digging yourself but it's just it's it's frustrating i mean there is some some rumblings i don't know if it's true of you know it that there's some pressure from the pll on some players american born yeah. players to not play in the nll and that they may have been um enticed financially to take the winter off this year and just by chance a guy like matt rambo a guy like kieran mccardle all of a sudden they've decided not to play like where there's smoke there's fire again we can't come out and say it's true because we don't have evidence that it's true but um it it seems like as we take you know a step forward with this um elevate 28 uh, people from both sides saying we need to work together something so small and little like just ends up, you know, it just seems like it's, it's a, it's a kick in the pants and a step backwards. It is. But as we say, positive vibes only unboxed will take over the world and we won't have to worry about it at the end 
of the day. We are, today being Friday, two weeks away from NLL opening weekend. Camps will continue. We'll go over transactions and rosters some more next week as teams get closer and closer to the roster deadline, which I believe is November 25th. Um, so that's just uh, 10, 12 days away or so. Um, we got a lot of great stuff to look forward to. We'll bring it on down next week. Any last thoughts, Mr. Smoke and Patty Gregoire? Now, I guess that it is official as at NLL underscore on underscore TSM. Mm. Give them a follow, by the way. Yeah. Uh, it is official. Uh, I can now say it. My original shotgun rider, Pete Dalladay, will be joining me in the nest for one. Um, for the Halifax Thunderbirds and the Saskatchewan Rush. He'll be joining myself and Ashley Docking. Unfortunately, John Abbott uh, is on the Senator's Beat that weekend. We'll miss abs in the nest, no doubt, um, but excited to have my guy Pete Dalladay with me uh, calling a game on the big network. It's not his NLL debut uh, on TSN, as I think a few years ago he did some Toronto Rock games uh, on TSN, so... Um, a wily vet indeed, but I'm excited to call a game with them. Uh, and it's fitting that it's the Halifax home opener. And then this is why this, this opening weekend is so awesome. We literally go off the, we don't even go off the air. I should say, we say goodbye. And actually we should be saying hello because it is going to roll right into you guys oh, yeah. for Vancouver and Panther city. Yeah, it, it's going to be unreal. I can't wait. Um, already excited. Stephanie's already booking her trip to Vancouver with me so she can go shopping on the mainland just before Christmas. Um, it'll be uh, an unreal weekend. Obviously, it'll be the the unveiling of the Kurt Miloski era. Uh, be interesting to see how Panther City does this year. We talked about their win totals. Um, can they improve? Can they become a playoff team again? Will they regress or progress? We'll have to wait and see. And we'll break it all down next week on another edition of the podcast. Thanks to Adam Levy for joining us. You can follow him on Twitter. You can check out Patty at P Greggy. I'm at Teddy Jenner. The show at OTCB underscore podcasts or on the instas at OTCB podcast. Until we speak again, stay safe and be excellent to each other. I am an